Beginning the track, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. And this is when we get to Borg space. Yes, we meet the new alien aliens. We the one that the... really ought to have taken out the Borg to make them super scary. But my guess is that they were really expensive, and that's why that didn't happen. Also, who doesn't love the Borg as bad guys? So, Well, there's a lot more Borg stuff in the future, but let's introduce ourselves. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Beginning the Track. I'm Jessica Ray, co-host and newbie. I'm watching all of these for the first time. You probably know that, but if this is your first time listening, we do suggest you go back to the beginning. Uh, I've heard some people tell me that they've been listening to this podcast without ever watching the shows, so I'm going to try and be better on the uh synopsis that we give because oh, <laughs> they just they just think the show is okay and they don't watch the star trek and i'm like that's crazy the fun part is watching the star trek <laughs> I, I feel like you'd be half complete if you didn't actually like not even half complete we're just the supplement right the the, the meat on the bones is the out. episode itself they did the work yes so so what we're up to uh i'm the trek veteran andy goldberg i'm the trek veteran and uh what we're up to is in 52 episodes I am introducing Star Trek to Jessica, who had never seen it before, and anyone else who wants to come along on that journey. So if this is your first episode, we want you to go back to episode one, start your journey from there. And uh, if this is not your first episode, then you know that today we are doing Voyager's very own Scorpion Parts 1 and 2. So should I break it down then? Because it's because it's a two-parter, you get... You, you get double size, so yes. uh, so we, we double you up, so uh, when you are ready, go for it. All right. We see an immediate teaser of Borg Cube ships saying their standard threat of assimilation, and then out of nowhere, they're destroyed. Meanwhile, in Da Vinci's lab, he's complaining about artists getting paid in exposure, and Janeway's trying to sweet-talk her way into having some space to work in his company. Anyway, we're in Borg space, guys, and wouldn't you know, our probe has shown us a clear way through, so every department gets on the ball and starts prepping to face the Borg. While working with the Doctor, Kess gets a vision about some gruesome dead Borg drones, and we're surrounded by Borg, but wait, they all run away, and then they look to be dead. So we go exploring and find the thing that Kess saw, as well as an alien that we're going to start calling 8472, and they have some pretty cool ships that are organic and look pretty Vorlon-esque. We hightail it away from that species that can destroy the Borg, but not before beaming an extremely infected Harry Kim to sickbay and Kess getting another message telepathically from 8472 saying, The weak will perish. The Doctor reprograms Borg nanoprobes to save Kim, and Janeway gets some inspiration from Da Vinci that Chakotay really doesn't like. Let's partner up with the Borg, she says. Trade our knowledge of how to defeat 8472 in exchange for safe passage, she says. It'll be fun, she says. Chakotay says, uh, no, they're going to kill us, or worse, <laughs> we'll be assimilated, and they'll end up with even more tech to keep destroying because it's in their nature. We should retreat and forget about getting home, but Janeway's not having that and is beamed aboard one of the cubes where she presents her plan. After coming to an agreement with the Collective, Janeway stays on the Borg ship to help develop the weapon while Voyager is escorted safely through Borg territory. The Borg try to install a temporary Borg communicator things on Janeway and Tuvok, but Janeway says, no, you're going to assign a Borg rep to communicate with us verbally or this entire deal is off. And we get to meet Seven of Nine. 
The Borg protect Voyager to their own ship's detriment, but Janeway gets hurt and Chakotay is in charge while Seven of Nine and some drones are on board Voyager. Seven insists we go deeper into Borg space to link up to their nearest ship, and Chakotay says, fat chance of that, and undoes the deal with the devil. Naturally, Seven of Nine gets control of Voyager and actually sends it through the entire rift into 8472 territory of matter-fluidic space. Turns out they've been there before, and they started the war with 8472, but didn't bargain on their super-dense DNA. Janeway gets better and orders Chakotay to cooperate with Seven of Nine to engage the aliens in the fluidic space. Victory complete, and Seven of Nine says the Voyager crew will be assimilated. But Janeway and Chakotay totally anticipated this, so he distracts her long enough for Torres to create a big power surge that severs Seven of Nine's connection to the Borg. So now we've got this Seven of Nine character, and we'll probably be seeing her again. Wow. And I left so much out. <laughs> it's, it's, um... It's like you should just watch this one. <laughs> so do you want to talk about this Scorpion episode or what? Absolutely. Let's do it. How do you want to begin? Uh, let's go ahead and begin with the rating. Okay. So I'm give this four out of five new Kess curly haircuts. Oh, that's right. Kes has a brand new look. Yes. In season in season three. She went from um, pixie to I'm not really sure what the curls are, but it's not pixie. I like the pixie. Well, she's you know, she's probably had her third birthday by now, so she's in her thirties. She's having some midlife crises. <laughs> Quarter life crises. Quarter life crises. We're not gonna call that halfway. That would be sad. It's not half. Well, I don't know. You know, you you sort of thought that she was going to be disappearing soon. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Like, I don't know what happens to her at the end of this episode, but the the story is not over. She is she is still on the ship. She's not like passed out from being telepathic with aliens. We will find out more about that next week, okay. but I will point out, hmm. uh, in case you missed it, in case you missed it, the credits, because this, this was a two-part episode where we finished up the third season and then we went into the fourth season, and uh, Jerry Ryan is now listed as a series regular in the credits in the fourth season episode, and Jennifer Lean, who played Cass, was a also starring. Oh, okay. Okay. She was not in gotcha. the opening credits. Gotcha. So more of like the demotion? Not really a demotion. Well, I don't know. It it's just a on... different contract. Exactly. She, yeah. She's no longer a series regular at this point, even though it very much looks like she's still a part of the story, and she is. Right. Uh, but contract-wise, she's not in the, in the whole – she won't be in every episode going forward. And in fact, gotcha. our next episode will be her last for quite a while. Well, and then the only other like super small thing that I noticed about this episode is we have to call out that I told the exact same story that Chakotay tells. Yeah, you did. Chakotay. Yeah, you Chakotay. In this episode. Yep. I cannot people are not going to believe me. You called it a That's turtle. Real. He well, called yeah, it a fox. He called it a fox. I originally learned it as a frog. But, but no matter what it was, it doesn't matter who the trusting individual is. It's always the same scorpion. I thought it was a snake. But it, again, yeah, it doesn't matter. Something's biting something else and they're both going to die because that's the nature of things. Because predators will be predators and it's their nature. Yeah. And in the end, that's is that what happened? 
Oh, are we going to jump to the end of this all the way? I don't know. Like, are, do you want to jump right into the meaty parts of this? There was so much in these two. And part of it is because it's a two-parter, but it was a big story. I thought it was almost movie-like. Well, let's reel it back in because if we if we jump to the end of that, we're, we're going to miss some of the fun stuff that happens in this episode. That's true. What other fun stuff? The opening shot is just so much fun for me when you got those, those three. No, I even before that, the, the oh, one no, with the, the, the Borg, resistances, and then they get blown up. It's like, wait. What just happened? What? <laughs> what was that? And then it goes from that to Da Vinci. And then it goes to Da Vinci, uh, which is also a really interesting. It's, what did you think of, of Janeway's new recurring mentor? I thought it was a fascinating choice. And this is something that this episode did to me was I went super metaphor on this episode. Everything in this seemed to be like the writers were saying something. Yes. So Da Vinci talking to Janeway. And at first they're talking about, well, at the very first, he's talking about how he's getting paid in exposure. So all of you artists, you don't have to feel bad. Even Da Vinci got paid with exposure. <laughs> oh, we've been we've been being uh, treated like that for years. Uh, like, share, and subscribe, folks. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Ain't nobody making money on these podcasts. Nope. Not <laughs> we love it, and that's why we do it. <laughs> the whole thing where she's like begging a holographic friend for a space in his workshop. And she really had to work at it to get that deal done, right? Like he wasn't just, he he made her work for it. He did. And then like, and, and this is what I'm talking about. Like you can get into this and it's like, is that how the writers feel about Voyager being a part of Star Trek? That they're working really hard to convince that they're a part of this creative environment that is Star Trek? Oh, interesting. I'm just, see, and I, and I read so much into this, um, Later on, when they're talking about uh, her and Da Vinci are talking about creativity and Janeway is like, I see reflect shadows on a wall. Right. When he mentions uh, when, when your imagination fails you, seek out a greater imagination. And, and, yes. and she finally comes. To, that's where she comes to the realization of what if I appeal to the devil? Which which right. we will get to when he's when which is really funny because in some ways Chakotay is you need to be more imaginative. We should go back. This is not an okay thing to do. He is very set in that the Janeway is wrong. He's still going to go with yes. it, but because she's the captain. But he's very much you need to hear how wrong this is. And I don't know that I necessarily disagree with him, but we'll probably get to that. It was a. It seemed like the Da Vinci and Janeway stuff was all metaphor and all filled with these things that even him talking da vinci talking about how i could sit here and look at this for hours and get taken away and i'm just like oh well that's us we're sitting there looking at these shadows yeah. of real life in star trek and getting lost in it it everything about that felt like metaphors well and and, and let me bring up a different metaphor that i saw actually okay. I, I, as crazy as this is in my very last watch which was yesterday <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, in preparation for this uh i finally saw this janeway talks a lot in this episode about how alone she feels she she yes. says it to chakotay she says it to chakotay again and then mm -hmm. later it's almost proven out and i started to think she feels so alone that she actually needs a computer hologram to be a mentor for her and, and, and will use him over and over again. And it really, mm -hmm. it struck me as another metaphor for being alone. She managed, she's managing to be alone 
even when she's not feeling like she's alone. She's alone. Yeah. She's alone in that holodeck. Yes. So I, I saw that metaphor too in, in the whole Da Vinci thing. And that surprised the heck out of me. And he will be there a lot. Again. Yeah. You know, he'll be there with his little metaphors and his stories. And I look forward to that. I think Da Vinci was an amazing choice because if you think about, uh, well, I'm going to use this as not a historian kind of thing, but you think about modern history and what they're encompassing with these stories. There are times when I look at the stuff the man thought of and at the time period he thought it, and you can't help but think like maybe Da Vinci actually was an alien who came to Earth to push us forward. Like I'm not <laughs> super into the weird theories like that, but yeah. that one could be true. <laughs> a little ancient alien, maybe someone just giving us a hint. Maybe it's Q. Maybe maybe he's a Q. I mean, I know that's ridiculous, but there's a part of me that there's a tiny part of me that if I found like if we scientifically proved that Da Vinci was an alien, I'd be like, oh yeah, well just look at the stuff he did. It's funny how you don't want to give credit to mankind, to humanity for for being this advanced person that you you now are saying ah, he was so advanced. He can't be human. Just maybe he's human, but from another timeline. Maybe he's well. Maybe he was. Maybe he. Maybe he's a time traveler. Maybe he. Who knows? Or or he's he's that you know uh, a next step. Okay, there you go. He's a next step. You can totally look at Da Vinci and be like, "That's a next step human." Yeah. In much the same way as other historical figures, you look at them and you're just like, "That's." That's not a normal kind of genius. That's like extra genius. Uh, So that's the thing. But even in in the context of this story, you start off with Da Vinci. You go to the Borg. Yes. And then we have this whole new alien. Uh, Give me, what's the numbers? 8472? Yep. Species, Species 8472 from Fluidic Space. I didn't know what. Okay, fluidic space is that the name of the fold that they go into? They That's never the quite name explain of the that. Area that we, we will name that area where we go, where mm-hmm. where Bolana says this isn't space, this, this is, is matter. matter. Yeah, that was um, fascinating. Yeah, we'll talk a lot. We got okay. some stuff to talk about. With we do, you know what I'm noticing with this episode? Mm. Everything, every time we're about to hit a tangent, it's just God. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. But this one did. It felt so big. Right. And uh, dealing with the Borg, dealing with this brand new fluidic space thing. And, and Harry Kim's getting eaten alive by. Right, and Harry And instead of playing the clarinet. By the organic Borg. By the organic. So I want to. That's a great thing. I, oh, gosh. Where do we talk? Where do we go? I, here's what I want to mention. I want to mention okay. that you talked about that Voyager felt a little Western like. Yes, I did. It, it's this band that was the, I think that was caretaker. It's like this band and we're hopping from primitive town to primitive town because that's what it felt like at first is yeah. that we're going to be running in. And that's why it may have felt more like original series or next gen was because we're going to be dealing with things and then hopping away because we're trying to get home. Exactly. How did you like being caught in a Borg stampede? I really enjoyed this story a lot and I only gave it the one star off because I thought that they could have been more brave and they could have destroyed the Borg the way they should have. Like as writers, they should have embraced this new mirror Borg is what I'm thinking of these guys as because instead of 
uh, like add-on tech. They're all organic, which is super cool. And if you know Babylon 5, even though Andy doesn't, you know what I'm talking about when I'm, oh my god, that ship is so Vorlon. And I have no idea the time period of what came out first, but it's probably along the same times uh of these these ships are alive everything about them is alive they're connected to the aliens who are very alive and so in in my mind and this is where i was going before with the da vinci thing you have like this start of he's even working on a freaking mechanical arm yes like what uh, that's that's so purposeful and then we get to the borg who are the embodiment of you've taken something human you've assimilated it and made it a part of tech and then we have these who have almost the same exact motivation, mm-hmm. but instead of tech, they are all organic. Yes. And I found that just so fascinating. I have like a bunch of notes on Planes of the I could go <laughs> hey, with that. so do I. It's so <laughs> sci-fi. So do I. Like, like, like I have things about how, first of all, the whole concept of Species 8472 mm-hmm. is, is the Borg to the Borg. Yes. Resistance is futile. Anything you try against us, you can't come up with a solution for us. All you can do is throw enough stuff at us to slow down the little attacks. But if we attack you in force, you're in big, big trouble. I mean, they are, they are the Borg's Borg. Yes. And their big thing. So really, I thought it wasn't very brave because you came up with these amazing aliens and then took them out. And in, in that process of doing that, you cut down what makes the Borg scary. And then you didn't really embrace what made the 8472 really, really scary, which was that they could take out the Borg. And then we're just left with the Borg, who are not nearly as scary now as they used to be, especially with the Doctor coming up with all of these cool things on how to use their nano whatever whatevers. It would have been great if the writers had basically had us going through space with two giants stomping around. And we're stuck between these two incredibly powerful species and we're the ant that's just trying to, like, dodge stuff that's going to kill us. And I, I, I so don't want to spoil what happens at the end of the gift um, to you yet, because you'll see that next week, where we end up at the end of this little arc, this little two-episode arc that we're in here right now at the at, at the turning point, at our version of, you know, the Jem'Hadar, the search, where we make that switch. It didn't take nearly as long. And, and <laughs> um, this is still Voyager, so we still are on a journey, which means we're moving through. But Species 8472 stretches a long way. The Borg, we know, stretches a long way, and they've even managed to make it all the way to the Alpha Quadrant, so we're going to be running into them a lot. We're going to be dealing with conflicts with both of them, and we've just begun to scratch the surface on what these 8472s can do. They are... They are a sneaky lot. Let's just leave it at that. And we're not going to see any more of them on your track after the gift. We're going to continue on from here with new stories. I know what that means. That means I'm going to get all fascinated and have to watch. I'm just like going to be forced to watch the entire, all of the rest of everything. Well, my tactics are becoming more transparent (laughs) now. (laughs) 
But I'm loving that you're fascinated by this new species because that is exactly who, yeah. I am. And they I, are, it's, great. I love your description of that. They we're sort of tiptoeing between two giants. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and we are, and then we'll run into some other giants. We haven't even gotten to the Herogen yet. They're just hunters, and they take a fancy to us as prey. As prey. Sure. Where do the Borg come from? Like, how? What's their origin story? Wow. Um. Oh boy, how do I answer this simple question? A, a lot of my answer is really easy. I don't know. Okay. But, but there is a beginning. There is an ending. There is a, the Borg Queen. We're going to talk about the Borg Queen uh, during Talking Trek. We're going to talk about the Borg okay, Queen. Okay, I haven't seen her at all because we did, I didn't watch the movies. No, you didn't. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about one of the movies because um, my recommended this week is going to be First Contact. <laughs> okay, uh, the reason why I wanted to know that because the entire point of this, and even with Chakotay saying with the whole story with the Scorpion, is it's in our nature to behave a certain way, and it's in the Borg's nature to behave a certain way. So I know yeah. where humans come from. Well. <laughs> We're gonna go with I like oh yeah yeah okay. Do you know? Yeah, you, you, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I don't know if you've seen that episode yet. <laughs> Without getting into a whole lot of other weirdness, what I meant to say is the nature of humanity isn't a mystery to me. This entire episode is speaking to the nature of the way we are, both as humans, as Borg, and as eight four seven two. That's the whole point of the Scorpion story. Yes. And Chakotay saying, we, you need to be more creative because they are going to behave the way we know they are going to behave. And then, of course, the second she's, well, the second she said, oh, I put Chakotay in the brig, you're fine here. I'm like, oh, we're going to be sneaky. Oh, you picked up on that. Your first, there's no you picked way. up on that in your first watch. Oh, yeah. Good for you. Okay. I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure whether, because that could be one where Chakotay's gone for a long, he's in that brig. For a mm -hmm. long time of the second half of, from the second episode. He is, yes. And almost to the point where you can sort of forget that that happened. And what what's he up to? And then suddenly, oh, that's what he's been up to. He's been getting ready for this moment. For the, for where, and forgive me, I wrote it. Since I wrote it, I'm going to say it. For when he hooks up with Seven. I had not thought about it that way, but yes, that is exactly what he does. I I wrote it on my notes and didn't really realize it and then went back and read it and said, oh my goodness, <laughs> yes, Chakotay hooks up with Seven. What do we think about Seven of Nine? What do we think? Of? I know what I think of Seven of Nine, but I know her whole story. It would be inappropriate for me to give my assessment of Seven of Nine before you give yours, tell me what you think of Seven of Nine. She's not what you thought she would look like when you first saw her, is she? No, because in all of the... The only reason I knew, really, that she existed in the series was because she shows up in the feature images of, like, Netflix and right. Prime and all of that stuff. So what, I, what I've seen is her with just... she's very pretty and she's got she's the super little... Of course, she's, she's gorgeous. Yeah. And um, she's got the eye thing and the little But she's got thing. the little thing over her eye and that's about it. Which is, yeah, a little cheek. She got a little star on her other, the other side of her face on her right underneath her ear too. Oh, okay. So she's got like tiny, cute hints of being a Borg. Enough to let people know she was at one point right. a Borg, and enough to be really inexpensive and still express her face on camera. <laughs> yes, she hasn't started to lose. Even at the end of Scorpion, she hasn't started to lose things. They just mention that she will be losing 
some of that yeah. uh, because of what the doctor yeah. did. So, and it's very kind of vague. So I'm like, oh, but uh, but you know, you're like, oh, she's gonna look more human now, and that's how she's gonna end up looking. By like the this. by the end of the gift, it's not really much of a surprise. She will start to look much more like what you've seen in those publicity photos right. going forward. Right. Yes. So yeah, but you were probably a little shocked to see her pop out of a Borg alcove, um, all Borgified and stuff like that when you first met her. I mean, it was that moment. Like, oh, this is where she comes from. Okay, that makes total sense. She's the representative. And then, of course, you go, something's going to happen, and she's going to get transplanted onto the ship. Yes. Uh, but where they go with that, like, that could have been, are they going to soften the Borg so much that they actually let go of one of their own or something like that? Like, what happens to have that happen? And uh, I liked her sneakiness. I liked that she was pretty scary. I really, really loved the moment when uh, Janeway and Tuvok are getting hooked up and Janeway's just keep, keep refusing, keep refusing. She's not going to have it. It doesn't matter. She's going to resist and she will blow up every knowledge that they have and take them oh, all yeah. out. You know, she will in that moment if you don't take that off of her. So pretty, I, I really enjoyed that moment. It was a great scene. I thought. Seven, Jerry Ryan as an actress is so strong and so powerful. She becomes every bit as powerful a character as as Janeway, and you'll start to see the beginnings of their their relationship throughout the last four seasons will grow. Mm -hmm. I can't even. Be, I mean, they become they become a really powerful force together, and it starts. It starts from cool. right here. Now we have this Borg who was human, right? We mentioned that. We, mm -hmm. we got to be careful not to, not to give any spoilers about the gift away to you. Um, but she was human when she was assimilated. Did she mention how long she had been assimilated? Uh, if she did, I didn't catch it. I think she said she had been assimilated like 18 years ago, which would have made her a, okay. a young girl right. at, at the time. Okay. Her name is Seven of Nine, tertiary adjunct of Unimatrix Zero One. No, because he calls her something. When Chakotay's can, when Chakotay's hooked up with her, Annika. he calls her Annika. Annika. Yes. Does she go? She clearly doesn't go by Annika again because we keep calling her Seven of Nine. Uh, well, the, the gift will will start to show where that goes. Okay. All of that. Okay. Yes, but but she's. She's unique. She becomes a very unique and powerful character. What I loved about her was the, so much there is to love in this. I have to be careful not to go too far ahead. I know who she becomes, sure. and I know some of the stuff that happens, good and bad. And my favorite moment in, the, in this is where the Species 8472 has attacked. Janeway is still on the Borg cube, and, and they transfer her and everybody over to the Voyager, and then the cube goes back and kamikazes itself to take out Species 8472, the bio ship. Yeah. Seven says, we have an alliance, do we not? Like that, like they were so surprised that they sacrificed their ship. Right. And she's the one that says, we're doing our part to make this alliance work. Mm -hmm. What are you willing to do? And it's at that moment that Chakotay is the one that like, so now who's being unfaithful to the, to the agreement? Us or them? They blew up their ship to save us. I have wondered who's the actual scorpion in this story. Great question. <laughs> because at any moment it could have been any of them, except for 8472, because they're not the ones with the partnership. 
we don't seem we don't seem to have anything in common with species eight four seven two. They don't seem interested in much conversation at all, except for just letting Kess know you're weak and we're going to take it out. You're dirty. Yeah. This is a fascinating thing. I don't think they explored, but may- maybe we will in the future, especially if they're sticking around. The Borg don't have emotions. They're machines. They're mechanical. They're a hive. That's exactly what makes them kind of terrifying. Yeah. But this behaving like the Borg, just taking everything out precisely because they are actively disgusted with lower creatures or what they consider lower creatures. Really fascinating. Maybe they'll go somewhere with that, with our own shame of ourselves and other species. Well, two weeks ago, we talked about the Vidians. We got all grossed out. Let me see if I can gross. Let me see if I can gross this out again, because this is what's going through my mind. The Borg to species 8472 reminded me of like cockroaches coming through a wall. Like we like like they're cockroaches. Right. Right. Yes. I can see your. I can see the disgust in your face yes, already. Right? I don't like cockroaches. Now, now we are not cockroaches. We human beings. We Federation people. We're not cockroaches. Maybe we're ants. Maybe we're. Maybe we're some helpful bug. But when we all come pouring through the wall into their home, mm-hmm. all we look like is a bunch of bugs to be stepped on, and we're dirty, and we're impure, and we sh- and our galaxy should be purged in the same way that we might call an exterminator to clean out the bugs in our wall. And I think that's how they see us right now. But there are ways, like, I assumed with the way Kess talked about how, oh, we've just, the the fluid, what did you call it before? Fluidic, fluidic space. The fluidic space, that being them, their ships are alive. They are the way they are. That I assumed, like, their themness is their entire like universe. And that's because they have taken out anything else in there. Which means that that's exactly what the Borg are. They've taken out anything that's not them. The only difference is instead of killing it the way, instead of eating through it the way they do with like Harry Kim, they yeah. assimilate it. So that the really the only difference is that. But I assume that their, that fluidic space is all of them because nothing else they choked out everything else they were the weeds that choked out every other life that's it i don't i do, so they are basically the borg the borg realized the borg organic what happens when when the borg make it to we've assimilated everything right. it's all ours now it's just it's just us um i don't know i don't know if they're the only ones capable of living in that realm Maybe. in that space or if there were others there and they just felt superior even to them. What I do know is they seem to not care about anything that's not them. Well, if they ran across something that wasn't weak because their thing is weakness, they're not, they're not actively searching out something better to make, to put into themselves. They're just actively taking out all of the stuff that isn't as good as them. Yeah. And and they also talk about that they, that we've contaminated their realm. Yes. When we go over there, we contaminate their realm and they don't make the the distinction. Aliens. I know. And that didn't go anywhere. Well, these guys are... Not that. Cool. Uh, They're not the wormhole aliens, that's for darn sure. They are a whole different kind of challenge for us to deal with going forward. They seem to understand time. We didn't have to explain baseball to them, so that's great. No, we did not have to explain baseball. I don't remember a baseball reference in this episode. 
Not a single one. It was great. I want to talk about what happened after Janeway gets injured. So so Janeway gets injured. Yes. And Chakotay decides to terminate the agreement. Yes. And does. Essentially, yes. he's he's the one that does, cutting it off. And then, you right. know, Janeway comes back. And, and then, of course, later, Seven of Nine also terminates the agreement, too. Blah, 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 blah. Sure. After you, she's gotten what she needs. After she gets what she needs. Or because they've gotten what they need. Isn't it interesting? Say. I think we're all scorpions. I think we're scorpions carrying scorpions across the river, hoping that we don't sting each other. That sounds more accurate. Yes. The more I think about this, and I hadn't thought about that, but boy, you were, you were right on with... Uh, we might be the one we are we're the ones following our nature every bit as much as they are every bit yes we we how can we, we want not to believe that that's good but that you're right yes how can you not the borg are going to behave like the borg because they're the borg humans are going to be humans because they're humans yeah not only we want to believe we do believe that it's good because it's the way we are just right. like they just like the scorpion believes that what it does is the right thing to do because it's the scorpion it is yes I think Chakotay was a little bit naive to think, like, if you're going to give the same metaphor, he's the scorpion that halfway through tells the fox, turn around, I don't want this anymore. And then, or like, it's either that or jump off the fox and drown. So I think he's, like, I get where he's coming from with all of it, especially like, I haven't seen the history because I didn't watch Unity, but given that he's been connected to that and he knows how that is in his brain and the evilness, she she talks about a deal with the devil. She knows exactly what she's getting into. Yes. She, she says they may be the, or she quotes somebody saying they may be the most evil thing we have ever come across ever. Yes, when she does And the... she still chooses to do it. So his reaction to that is completely appropriate. How about no? How about we don't? How about find a different way? You How know? about find a different way? How about even living out our lives in this place would be preferable than doing bad because you're so determined to go home? So so here's one of the things that I thought about just this very moment. <laughs> hmm. In your track, we haven't gotten to see every episode that's happened in the third season. That is a bit of the bad of doing this this way. One of the things that we're missing, one of the things that we miss out on is how much has Janeway been pushed? How much has she had to compromise her own principles, her own ethics to keep the crew alive, to keep them moving, to not right. violate what she considers to be, you know, the Starfleet principles? How much right. has she dealt with that now... Here we are a season and a half later from alliances, mm -hmm. and we're looking to make an alliance. Just to get through. This is a very similar situation where we're now looking to make an alliance with essentially the Kazon, you know, with, with, with the bad guy. Right. She has absolutely no question where she struggled so hard to, to get into the mindset of, yes, I will do. She had... No, and she was determined. The you know I hadn't compared those two, but yeah, yeah, she's come along. Do you remember in the very beginning when I said that Captain Kirk was emotionally lazy? I do, I do remember that. Janeway is anti that. She is the least emotionally <laughs> lazy person I have ever seen on screen. She is so. I don't know. 
how to say she's not emotionally lazy. She's like the anti everything is that struggle. And I, yeah, it's, yeah. it's fascinating. Well, well, but, but let me ask mm-hmm. you this because, you know, yeah, maybe Kirk was a little bit more simplistic. Let's see how it goes. Yes. Yeah. Let's we'll see. <laughs> um, but but she racks her brain with every freaking decision, and every she's gonna, single decision she tries to cover everything. Going to burn herself out. She's going to. In fact, we're going to see her burn herself out. We are going to see her push to the absolute breaking point. Good, because I want to see her on the other side of that to be like, yes, you did this. Fantastic. You're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to see that happen in in your track. How is it that Janeway must suffer? Isn't it? Well. <laughs> I, Harry Kim must suffer. Apparently, yeah, a little um, bit, yeah. he's 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 definitely the O'Brien of of this, of this show. <laughs> and, and I thought about it. Yeah, we do. We beat the crap out of him. He's the one that got the disease, mm-hmm. and, like immediately. <laughs> I wasn't even supposed to be here. Yeah, he's our Voyager punching bag. We're definitely going to get that. Mm. Well, I think Voyager itself is a punching bag, which seems to be the point. Well, a little bit. And, and again, we're leveling up. We're getting stronger. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with bigger bad guys now and, and dealing with it, you know, and, and we're getting tougher. Well, we kind of have to because you said First Contact came out. So the Borg are really popular. Also, they're probably not nearly as expensive as the CGI used to. Which, by the way, how cool were 8472? Like, I was thinking about this looking back. They look amazing. Maybe not too like right now standards is 2018. They're still pretty darn At the time. Effective. And they're still like, even now looking at it, I'm like, that's not, it's not bad. It's not horrifying. It's not like, I still prefer like puppet stuff, especially uh-huh. for my sci-fi. I think there's something to connect to there. But, but for early CG, but, this was. But for early CG, this is gorgeous work. Strong. I so, thought. So yeah. remember I told you that Voyager is a series of epic, epics told epically. Mm-hmm. This is it. Do you not agree that this was that this felt like a movie? This felt very. I started out saying that it was big. It's it's just a huge, yeah, very much. Welcome that. to the second half of Voyager. Oh, oh, hmm. I found this rather fascinating. Oh, okay. A, a couple of very cool scientific things. First of all, Belana Torres with the skeletal lock on the transporter. I was actually about to say, if we ever do make it back, we are going to be bringing so many new ideas and awesomeness with us on yep. Voyager that Starfleet's going to be like, what? You guys are the skeletal lock. We're going to have to incorporate this in everything. You just blew our scientific minds because they have been picking up so much and doing so much with so little. I think. That's the point. They have that entire meeting at the very beginning where they're like, we're about to get into Borg. What are y'all doing about it? And Neelix is like, I'm preparing stuff. And the doctor's like, I got my stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Vilana's like, we got this. They're mm-hmm. they're all maxed out at what they're trying to do with so little. It definitely is a crew working at peak efficiency. I love the skeletal lock idea. The the doctor coming up with the Borg nanoprobes to fight the infection from species mm-hmm. 8472. And what I thought of was you never know where scientific exploration is going to take you. Because from that, we were able to create a weapon mm-hmm. that we were able to use. You just don't know. And I think about things like, you know, we've, we, we, we're not doing as much space travel and, you know, planning on as, as I wish we would. And you just never know what scientific method is going to discover. You mean here now on Earth with humans on Earth. right now? I'm talking about You're talking right about, now, yeah. We, 
NASA should be big. It should be huge. It should be powered because you don't know what the stuff that they need is going to impact for every single person on earth. hundred percent agree. Exactly. You don't know what medications are going to come from mm-hmm. it, what new what new food sources, what new ways of storing things. Who knows? New engines. When you let somebody just science to see what happens. Yes. Even better if you put them in a corner and say, you only have this material. Here's the goal. Right. Come, Be creative. Come up with a solution. And yeah, we've come full circle. Be creative. Go, go get yourself a Da Vinci. Scorpion! Scorpion! Shall we talk some track? Yes. We're going to talk about the queen? Uh, Where'd the board come from? A little bit more. So I've already mentioned in our talking episode that our next episode is the very next episode of the series. The gift. Which means it's very difficult for me to recommend something in between. Yeah. This one and that one. And yet, I have a recommendation for us for this week. Okay. Because it is time for some backstory that you're going to need for um, three things. You're going to need some backstory on who the Borg Queen is going forward. You're going to need some backstory on uh, humanity's first contact with extraterrestrial life. The first time that we were noticed by extraterrestrials and they came down and actually said, hi, you really are not alone. Oh, you mean without all of the time travel stuff like the Ferengi and the times that we went back in time and, you know, met. The first time that humanity as a, as a race sure. is aware that we met them. Not like that one time when Guinan met Picard. No, not that. <laughs> None of those. Or None all of those. Of the, no. Eighteen times that. Sure. No. Okay. No. This is the time. Yeah, no, this the is, first this time. is the actual time that we <laughs> we made first contact. And then the third thing that you need some some background on is the discovery of warp travel and a character named Zephram Cochran. We've talked about him before. We have. He's, He's the yeah. guy that created that created warp travel, and he did so in uh, uh, out of uh, an old uh, nuclear missile in um, Montana. And that's where a lot of what we're going to be talking about takes place. So I'm recommending that you watch this week as a recommended, mm-hmm. just a recommended, This is you don't have to, um, Star Trek First Contact. Now, that's the movie Star Trek First Contact, not the TV episode from The Next Generation First Contact, although that one's funny, too. Not fun. That one's funny and great and a great story. And uh, I would highly recommend people go back and watch that, too, just for fun. But I'm talking about Star Trek First Contact, the movie. Okay. Do you know anything about this? Yeah. Isn't this... I'm going to make a couple of connections, but I'm pretty sure this is the one where Picard goes crazy on the Borg because he needs revenge. Definitely. Picard has his um, Captain Ahab hunting the white whale moments. That's because we this. talked. I, I remember long, long ago. Yes. Trek. Yeah. So the, the concept is the Borg are back. They're attacking um, Picard uh, in an effort to stop them. He's there at Earth. He's there. There's a, a big battle. And the Borg open up a time rift and go back in time and assimilate Earth in the past. I'm surprised they haven't done that before, because you'd think with all the timey-wimey wandering around this universe, everybody would be going back. 
and conquering everyone. You would think that they would do that. But uh, they go back. We follow them back through their own mm-hmm. little time rift uh, in an effort to stop them. And what they're really there to do is they're there to prevent us from having first contact. So they go back to that historic moment where Zephram Cochran flies his ship. We get noticed by another warp society who then stops in and says, howdy to the people of Earth. Is this the Andorians who say hi? I'm going to not tell you. All right. But the scene at the end of the episode where all of that, or at the end of the episode, the end of the movie where that shows up, we are going to revisit that again on your track. And if you don't know that scene, you won't get all the fun of revisiting that scene later. Gotcha. So this would be a really good movie for you to go watch this week. All right. I suppose. Plus, it's lots and lots of background on the Borg Queen. We meet the Borg Queen for the first time in in first contact and mm-hmm. she will show up as a recurring character in the later episodes of Voyager. Voyager. Yeah. Okay. We have to deal with her. In fact, Unimatrix zero one is the queen's personal where she is. And so Unimatrix. Well, seven of nine sure. tertiary adjunct of Unimatrix zero one makes her one of the queen's handmaidens at one point. So that's who seven was what? at one point. These machine people are really yes, weird. They are. And that's handmaidens, handmaiden robots. Really? I'm just saying that she was there as a tertiary adjunct. Why does Star Trek always go to this like medieval farmhouse? Um, because everything is based on uh, Shakespeare. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like I okay I I watched some others that were recommended. Um, and I watched uh, I, even one that wasn't. Okay. And that one, that one had Sarah Silverman in it, which was super you fun. You watched the Sarah Silverman episode. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, let me let me remember. Future's End. Where, the, they, go, I watched where that. they go back to the 60s. And she's like a hippie child. Or no, no. She's a... She's oh, a, uh, she's just a smart... Yeah, she's the smarty pants. But they, they meet hippies, right? Like they they're, there's a van and things at some point, if I remember correctly. Um. I haven't seen I this one in a while. I think the thing is, go they go to, uh, uh, is, it, is it Venice Beach? They end up in like LA. Sure. And it's, <laughs> and Paris is giving them all of the, here's how we need to act and uh, do things. And Tuvok, like they land there and, and Tuvok is just like, pretty sure we could have just shown up in our uniforms. No one would have noticed. Paris digs the 20th century. Yes. And, and that's it's great. That's really true. Yeah. Paris totally digs the 20th century. He, he's got hobbies. That involved the 20th century. He's a mechanic. He, they, at one point, they find actually floating in space a car. Of course they do. Yeah. Is it like a 67 Chevy it's or something? older than that. Older than that. Yeah. It's, okay. It's an uh, interesting. It's yeah. Anyway, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna explore one of his hobbies later in your trek. Chakotay hooks up with seven. <laughs> I know, right? I it, it was just one of those things I wrote up and then went back and looked at and said, huh. Accurate, but misleading. Accurate and misleading. So you, we've already said what's happening next week is the gift. I did. I've, I've already spoiled what we're going to be talking about. There are no spoilers between the current episode, Scorpion, and the gift that I can give you. I hope not. But... Um, there's been some character development along the way, obviously. Mm-hmm. We've, we've seen the, the weirdness of the Neelix-Kess relationship. We've seen her work with Tuvok a little bit on her mental abilities. Uh, you can see that they're starting to... Ooh. 
I actually... She had some serious experiences. I did. Uh, and I watched Warlord, which was an amazing... Uh, featuring her... Oh. Uh, lean. Yes. Jennifer Lean. Jennifer uh, Lean. Jennifer Lean. Being awesome, essentially. Uh, she's yeah. just... She's such a fiery little pixie. And in that one, she's... Yes. That was great. So I did get to see a little bit, uh, even beyond this, of what her brain can do. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, we, we got a hint of it. Early on, and even in Caretaker, we talked a little bit about her special abilities, and she's been studying with Tuvok throughout all this. So she has a relationship with him. Uh, she's been working with the doctor. She becomes the nurse yeah, notice that. partway through to replace Paris, who was just an ineffective pain in the butt. Shocking. <laughs> her mental abilities certainly helped us in being able to find to communicate with 8472. Oh, I was going to say the trust between that. They immediately assume not only is that she correct and honest, uh, so that fully integrated as crew, they they make it a point that they're just like, well, of course we need to listen to her. And that was cool to see. There was no distrust right. or maybe she's not feeling what she's feeling, little thing. None of that. No, no. They, they believed her and they immediately started mm -hmm. taking actions yep. towards it. And and she's become a – she and Neelix have both become trusted members yeah. of the crew um, is clear. And we'd already mentioned that uh, she is also starring in the fourth season. Her contract has changed. <laughs> That's all. Her contract has changed. She will become a recurring. She'll show up in a couple of other episodes later on, at least one other. I don't, this is where Andy's knowledge fails him a little bit. I don't remember exactly how many times, but I remember one really powerful scene with okay. her coming up in a future episode. But um, this will be her, her final episode okay. on your track. So uh, we'll be saying goodbye to her. So this episode features Kess. Okay. This episode also features Seven of Nine who is dealing with the fact that she was a Borg like eight minutes ago. Sure. And that's all she knows. Oh, she doesn't tap into her old human self then. Well, let's find out. Okay. So this episode is the second episode of the fourth season, mm -hmm. and it is called The Gift. The Gift. I think this is going to be a reference to Seven of Nine as a character, that she becomes... It's essentially a gift to Voyager. She has all of this stuff to offer, but I think, and I think they're going to need to do this. They're going to need to frame it not as we're here to use your information as a Borg, because obviously that's what it's going to start out as, but they're going to find out that she herself, this new person on board is in fact a gift all in its own. So it's going to be a lot. And maybe Kess has something to do with that, helping uh, Seven find out who she is or even develop who she is with maybe mental abilities. And obviously Kess is insanely empathetic. So I think that that's what this is going to be about. It's going to be maybe them forming uh, a friendship and the crew coming together around that. So I don't see a whole lot of conflict in this episode, but maybe I'm very wrong because... The Borger right there, and we kind of just pissed everyone off. <laughs> We're still just in Borg space. Bit. We're still close to that Northwest Passage where all those fluidic space 8472ers right, are. Right, Yeah, nothing's resolved here. But I still think it's going to be one of those pauses that Star Trek is allowed to have, especially to introduce this character. And I think mm. it's going to be a reference to her, that she's she herself is a whole another thing. I gotcha. And also, she's got information on Borg. Hmm. Hopefully. I mean, 
Why have a Borg if you can't use her Borg abilities? Absolutely. Truer words were seldom spoken. <laughs> I mean, if I had a Borg. If I had a Borg, I'd be, I'd Borg it so, in the morning. Borg it in the evening. Now we're getting silly. Let's talk about... Tell me when you're going to watch this. <laughs> I am going to be watching this coming Sunday, which hopefully you guys are listening to this when it comes out on Wednesday, so that you can follow along. If you're on Twitter, at Begin the Trek. If you're on Facebook, at Beginning the Trek, there's a little tab there. It's first impressions kind of stuff. I'll watch that at 7 Mountain Time. Which Sunday do you intend to watch this? All you said Sorry, was Sunday. Sorry, all I said was Sunday. This coming Sunday, July 8th, which July 8th. if it's past that, you're going to have to go look up those tweets as though they are a part of history. There you go. Because they will be. <laughs> the moment you hit send, they become a part of history. That's so pretentious. Only way. <laughs> I mean, yes, again, accurate, but misleading. <laughs> well, Scorpion. anyway, so that's happened. Thank you guys so much. If you would leave us a review, if you're enjoying this, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can email us at info at beginningthetrek.com or uh, iTunes, whatever podcast, wherever you get yours, wherever you're listening to this. Yes, please. Your, your, your comments. Uh, hopefully you've got some great comments and we'd love to see them pop up there in your five stars and likes and all that stuff. All we, stuff. Uh, we're doing this, like we said, we're doing this for love mm -hmm. and uh, we want to share it with the world. So let's, uh, let's create some more Star trek -y love. You go have fun. I give you the gift of the gift this week. We are cheesy. We are cheesy. We are. I also love cheese just on its own. You know what sounds really good right now? A grilled cheese sandwich. Oh my gosh. Yes. That sounds so good. Okay. We're going to turn this you off. Go watch, you go watch <laughs> the gift. I'm going to go make myself a grilled cheese sandwich. We'll gather back around in a week. I feel like Voyager's tagline could really be, thanks a lot, Janeway. <laughs> like, she, even for me, I'm watching this and I'm just like, oh, thanks a lot, Janeway. Like, this could be the tagline that I come up with for Voyager. Or, who wasn't supposed to even be here today. Yeah, Voyager's tagline could be either one of those, like, thanks a lot, Janeway, or I wasn't even supposed to be here. <laughs> well, that's kind of like Harry Kim, right? Like, I just got assigned, you know? Yeah, uh, if, yeah. If he misses his shuttle, if he goes back for his clarinet. Right. He's covered. He's just another Starfleet officer who didn't get to explore the other quadrants. Mm -hmm.